Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Biker Chit Chat. I'm your host, Biker Bethany, and I'm on a mission to find female riders from all over the planet to find out their stories of how they got into the motorcycle world. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Shay Lisi from Florida. She's known for building motorcycles and then falling off of them. (laughs) I really enjoyed listening to her crazy stories on this one, and I hope you do too. Let's get straight into it. Hi, Shay. Welcome to my podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for you to be here as well. I mean, I want to jump straight in and talk about what it actually says on your Instagram bio, which is that you're known for building bikes and then also crashing bikes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I started my YouTube channel on the basis of I'm building my own motorcycles. I started with just a Suzuki 650, a Boulevard, a pretty standard single cylinder bike. And from there, I went just right into it and I got a 1200 Sportster for $3,000 and it needed so much work. So that's kind of where the building the motorcycles happened. And After getting my Sportster, which I've technically never dropped, um, I got into dirt biking, which I thought was something for like seven-year-old boys and definitely not something for 27-year-old women. I never thought in a million years I would even have the opportunity to get on a dirt bike, let alone be able to practice regularly on one. So I spent about three months practicing once a week on a dirt bike. And going to the gym, just training, wanting to be as the best that I could. And I got a little bit uh, too confident. And I got whiskey throttle. And I crashed directly into a tree going at about 25 miles an hour on my dirt bike. Suffered a brain bleed. uh, And uh, I thankfully didn't break anything. Uh, Just a bunch of plastics on my dirt bike, which is totally rebuilt now. Uh, It took only about one session to rebuild it because it was all plastics that were broken. And since then, I have gotten a PC800, which is an old cop bike. It's like a huge Honda, sort of smaller than a Goldwing. And it was just way too big for me, to be honest. I'm five feet tall on a good day when I'm wearing my boots. (laughs) So, and I'm a hundred pounds soaking wet. So being on a 600 pound bike, that is just way too tall and way too wide for me when it comes to the seat. I tend to drop that bike a little more often than the rest of my bikes. And I definitely record every single time just to encourage people to ride bikes that are out of their comfort zone. Because I was stuck riding a Suzuki Boulevard 650 cc's single cylinder engine for the first eight years that I rode and didn't have the confidence to get on a bigger motorcycle. I don't want people to feel like that they need to stick to the cc that they're used to because I was so stuck on riding a 650 single cylinder, something I can only touch the ground on, something I can only like pick up that's you know, I was worried that something would be too heavy or I couldn't, I always have this countdown. I'm like, if I can't reach the pegs, 
if it's too heavy and I can't reach the ground, then that's, it's like, it can be one thing, but if it's two things or three things then I'm probably not going to test the bike, but if I can't touch the ground, but I can reach the pegs, then I'm probably good. <laughs> yeah, I totally know what you mean. I'm like that as well, actually, because I'm only 5'2", or like 5'3", myself. So mm-hmm. I'm quite short as well. Yeah. And it is that is the thing, isn't it? It's like, if the bike is on the heavier side, or I don't know, whatever, it has like little bits different, if you can't properly touch the floor, it does make you feel just that much more on edge, doesn't it? It can be really nerve-wracking, um, but I guess what got me past it was owning a motorcycle that I wasn't really that comfortable with. So, but I bought the PC800 for like a thousand dollars. I think my most expensive bike that I own is three thousand dollars. Like we buy very, very cheap bikes off of Facebook Marketplace because we really just want people to feel like anybody can do it. And if it's something that we're like, okay, maybe this was a little dangerous and maybe not everybody can do this. I have eight years of skills behind me. Maybe don't try this at home. We'll say that. But I'd say one of my main goals with my community is to encourage people, specifically women, to try things out of their comfort zone. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. It is pushing yourself to those edges that improves you in so many ways isn't it it's it's having the courage and that's why I love this motorcycle community like that's online and everything it's like you see like other women out there pushing themselves and you think yeah do you know what they're doing it I can do it as well yeah and I I even find myself still finding people like that all the time like women who weld by themselves like I'm just and like doing their own fabrication, I just think is so amazing. And I really wish that that was something that I could learn how to do. But it's something that takes so much skill. And it's definitely not something you just jump right into. I've learned. So tell me about your first crash, then what actually happened? So what actually happened with my first crash was whiskey throttle. I was riding for three months straight. Uh, Once a week, I would wake up super early and go out to the dirt bike tracks and ride all day, once a week for three months. Well, on the third month, I got a little bit too comfortable. I got a little too confident. And we were riding in areas that were a little bit past my skill level, a little bit farther out than what we were used to. And uh, it was actually not even a mile away from where Shade Tree Surgeon crashed, the the person I was with. And I I got whiskey throttle. I was just standing up on my bike, you know, cruising around like la 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 la. And then I was like, oh my God, my list, my wrist is just completely locked. And then in that second, I was like, okay, I can fix this. Like I had the option to either just drop it, let my dirt bike go and fly underneath my legs. I had the option to pull in the clutch, go into neutral, hit the brakes. And in that second, I didn't pick either. So I crashed into the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Like full throttle, whiskey throttle, 25 miles an hour. And 
you can, I slowed down the video. You can see how my body just completely wraps around the tree. I hit my, my head first and then my chest and my knee all on the left side. So oh, I was just messed up. I had a black eye uh, from hitting my head and all the blood just sort of like drained into my eye and like sat there for a while. I looked pretty nasty. <laughs> oh god I bet that hurt a lot as well lot. I screamed for about three minutes straight before shade tree surgeon realized I wasn't behind him anymore because throughout that day I had dropped my motorcycle maybe 15 times just in the sand you know it just happens when you're dirt biking you're just take a wrong like a turn too tight you're like oh I drop it so he just you know he'll wait and like notice like he doesn't hear anything and then wait for my kick like me kicking over my bike and be like okay she's fine but you know this time he he noticed I wasn't behind him anymore he turns his bike off and he just hears me howling screaming bloody murder for and he's just like oh god (laughs) and obviously comes to my rescue and I'm 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 in shock at that point and yeah. uh like i i don't even know what's wrong with me i felt i felt like my whole body was broken nothing was broken i got on the bike and rode out like three miles or however long back it was to camp uh because the option at that point was either ride out or get airlifted out by a helicopter oh my god those are your options so ride your dirt bike out or get a helicopter so what did you do? I rode out. <laughs> I'm not going to get a helicopter. Uh, health insurance is really expensive in America. <laughs> I'm not going to get a helicopter. I just got back on that bike and I drove. Wow. Oh <laughs> it was my God. the worst ride. One of the worst rides of my life. Yeah. I mean, so like, obviously you smashed your face. So like your eye was hurting, but was you in pain like in your body as well? Oh yeah, my knee was all messed up. I still have the the scar tissue on my leg. Um, they had to do X-rays of my chest to make sure I didn't break it, my collarbones or anything because it was my I first hit my head and I cracked my skull and I um, hit my chest afterwards and then my knee and thankfully nothing was actually broken except for like the slight fracture in my skull and I do have like I had uh, Bell's palsy, uh, which is a nerve disorder where it links from here and down into your mouth and under your eye and I had nerve damage over my eye and under it so I couldn't raise my eyebrows I still can now like you can tell they're slightly different but this whole side of my face would not move for about six months wow that's a really long time yeah um I, I i first started gaining the the movement back in my mouth and then under my eye and then above my eye eventually but still i um suffer with some movement in my eyebrow that's crazy uh, and I, I suffered from some vertigo like i couldn't i would get dizzy all the time but really just i'm fine now like it's yeah. been it's been a little over a year since my crash and I'm fine. I'm back. I got back on bikes as soon as I could. Um, I actually recently broke my wrist about seven weeks ago from crashing into another tree on a <laughs> snowmobile this time. And um, I'm actually out of my brace now. So that's good. <laughs> oh, good. Oh my God. You're so accident prone. Then I am very accident prone, but I think it's also just something that I struggle with not knowing my limits 
or my own boundaries because I think that I can just go right into something knowing everything about it and fully confident, such as my weld- welding project that I went into. And I was like, I can do this. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, live and learn, right? You've got to yes, try these things. A lot of living and learning. <laughs> and like no regrets as well because you've oh, got to try it, haven't you? That's the thing. And Oh, absolutely. Happen. And I still go out on my dirt bike all the time. Like I rebuilt my dirt bike, I which looks better now. I made it pink and white and exactly the way I wanted it to look because it was green before because it was a uh, um, KX100 and they make everything green. <laughs> so, <laughs> And pink is quite clearly your favorite color. <laughs> yes, this is very much so my favorite color, which is awesome because um, – if you're a female into motorcycles, all motorcycle gear is pink. Yes, that awesome. is true. <laughs> it's like you only get, if it's a girl's version of motorcycle gear, it's pink. Yeah, that is so <laughs> true. And like sometimes I feel like it's actually the only way someone can tell, is it a man or a woman riding that bike? So like, have they got pink on their <laughs> outfit or not? People always yeah. think I'm a man because I just wear all black. <laughs> <laughs> They'd never know. <laughs> um, I should wear more gear. So oh. people can't tell. I am, I'm in Florida and it's so hot here all the time. All the time. So really? generally people are like, no gear. <laughs> You'll see people riding around in like shorts and flip-flops. That's not me, but um, I definitely, I that's a comment I get a lot is where's your gear? And I'm like, it's at home because it's hot. I'm not yeah. trying to have a stroke. <laughs> it's that is the thing it's tricky like if it is literally that hot and you've got a lot of gear on it does make you overheat like really quickly doesn't mm-hmm. it it is uh well today is a high of 82 and it's february so it's supposed to be winter right now <laughs> that's, that's our winter is a, a high of 82 that's <laughs> crazy yeah, it does not get cold here ever like maybe like, a few days so it's a year-round year riding here for sure, which is also why I love Florida so much and would never live anywhere else. Yeah. I, the yeah. community here is very, very strong, and they're riding year-round. Yeah, that is awesome. That's one thing that, like, I really envy when, you know, I look into other places for riding because, like, I've not been able to get out of my bike for, like, the past month because it's either been, like, torrential rain or there's been a frost and it's been icy and yeah it sucks I seriously couldn't imagine having like I spent uh seven weeks off of my bike because of the snowmobile crash and I have a motorcycle called the Honda Trail 125 uh which does not have a clutch on it so it's just like riding around with one hand (laughs) (laughs) that is so funny I just I don't want to get off the bikes. I can't. I got to stay on. I got to ride. Yeah. Like you really are through and through a motorbike girl, aren't you? Well, yeah, definitely. So what actually got me into riding motorcycles was um, I was very poor, like very poor. I was uh, just starting my freshman year of college and and our public transport here in Tampa, Florida is very bad. So I was attempting to get, uh, you know, like 10 miles from my house to get to college. And it was impossible. It would take over two hours to uh, commute. And 
I was like, okay, well, I can't afford a car. What do I do? And I decided to buy a motorcycle because it was the cheapest option. I was absolutely not trying to be cool. I was not trying to be an interesting, hip, quirky girl who getting my motorcycle license. I was like, what do I do? I seriously cannot afford to get to college. And so I started riding and I was just so not into having a motorcycle community when I first started riding because it was my form of transportation. I didn't understand why anyone would want to be my friend just because I was riding a bike. So anytime someone was like, hey, you're a girl on a bike, I'd be like, don't talk to me about it, okay? You just want to talk to me because I'm a girl. And now I realize that people would just want to be your friend because, you know, it's something that you have in common. And I sometimes think about all of the missed connections that I have because I didn't give people a chance when they were interested in what I was doing or uh, what I was writing when I thought somebody was just like, thought I was interesting because I was a girl. And I was like, well, that's the least interesting thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a real shame. But I guess I see how you how you done that. And especially, you know, if you were a bit younger back then, like you see things differently yeah. and you do. I, I was definitely yeah. a bit more having a quicker reaction to stuff. Whereas I think you get a bit older and then you realize not everyone's yeah. out to get yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. So I started riding when I was, uh, like I said, my freshman year in college. So I was 18. I got my motorcycle endorsement as soon as I could because my parents were like, no, you're not getting your motorcycle endorsement. And I'm like, well, I'm 18 now. You can't control me, dad. Like, <laughs> so I got my motorcycle endorsement immediately, uh, which I know is extremely different here in America, I realized, from getting your motorcycle endorsement uh, in England, where yeah. it's so many rules. Here in America, I took my motorcycle course for $150 in a Walmart parking lot from a guy named Joe's Motorcycle Course. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I always love to share that story with somebody who's, you know, from the UK and be like, okay, this is how I got my motorcycle endorsement when I was 18. That's mad. That's mad. And can you ride any motorcycle from that point? Yeah. That's nuts. Mm hmm. There was, they, it's a three day course, uh, 150 bucks and they just stamp motorcycle also on your driver's license and you're good to go. That is honestly mind blowing. Like yeah. <laughs> that is mad. So like, yeah, do you know the steps that we have to take in the UK? So I actually do just because I just had a friend visit here from the UK, but we actually took her home yesterday. Her name is Sunbleached. If anyone wants to go check her out on YouTube and Instagram, she has uh, built her own motorcycles and uh, she's a tattoo artist over in the UK. And she okay. came over here just to hang out with us for a bit and shoot some videos and ride our bikes and see what, it like, what it's like driving on the other side of the road here. She was very like, it's very strange to drive on the other side of the road and be in a country where the rules are totally different when it comes to road laws. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Like, do you guys filter there? Do you lane split? No, uh, there is oh. some states where it's legal, but here in Florida, yeah. it's not legal. And someone would definitely hit you on purpose for doing it. Really? <laughs> um, I still lane. Like I, I lane filter all the time. After I went to California and I rode there for the first time where lane filtering was legal, I never could go back. I can't. Yeah. 
so I still it just makes sense like it's it over here like we call it progressive riding and it you know you're just you're getting ahead of the traffic you're getting in like you're on a bike and you can do it so why not you know yeah exactly so uh that's generally our viewpoint here so we just do it illegally oh fair just don't do it <laughs> just don't do it with the police around <laughs> oh my god that's our our laws here in florida oh okay that's mad like, whose law god's law man's law <laughs> <laughs> so um so you got your first bike when you were in college and that was what what bike was it did you say it was the Suzuki GZ250, which was the what they taught us on. But um, after a year of riding that, I outgrew it and upgraded to the Suzuki, um, I think it's called the LS650, which is a Boulevard or a Savage. Uh, they changed what they called it, depending on the year. And uh, I rode that bike for, gosh, like the, the next six years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, and I was like so stern that I could not ride anything else but that bike because it was the only bike that I could flat foot, uh, you know, get it off of the ground and, you know, centered and not feel like it was too heavy and it had mid controls. So I was just really comfortable on it. But it's just it was too small of a bike for me eventually because I realized that eventually motorcycles were more than just transportation for me it was more than just commuting to work and school it eventually did become you know part of my lifestyle and uh all of my friends ride motorcycles and it just like really slowly just consumed me as a person especially when i started making youtube videos over the pandemic um i just totally got consumed in motorcycle culture yeah yeah it does have a way of doing that like yeah. especially when you get into the online side of it it's like you realize how much of a community there there really is out there and and you want to be a part of it you're like I want to be friends with these people yeah. and have this thing in common and all just like everyone can just bond over this one thing and like it's awesome I love that yeah I always say that um if as long as you have one thing in common with somebody, you'll probably find something else. So a lot of times when I'm hanging out with these, you know, some of the motorcycle people that I would be like, okay, I definitely have nothing in common with this dude. Like he's in his fifties and like weird. And I, I don't know. And then we end up being best friends. Like this, this random dude in his fifties, he's like three times my age. And, uh, but we're like the closest friends just because we we found that we have motorcycle in common and then we have so many other things in common too but it just started with that one thing with somebody i would never be friends with on a regular day-to-day basis like it's like could old enough to be my grandpa <laughs> but like now we're just the closest of friends yeah i love that side All of started it. With motorcycles yeah that's awesome so what bike did you eventually move on to then so eventually I moved on to a, uh, which I, it's a Sportster, a 1200 Sportster that I have just dumped my heart and soul into. I, I bought it for $3,000 and I've probably put triple of that into it just wow. from, you know, 
aftermarket parts that I've wanted on it to really make the bike mine and also just like mistakes that I've made while building it and like having to rebuy parts or just rebuild them or deciding it isn't what I want. And that has just really taught me about building my own motorcycle to be exactly what I want it to be. Because before that, I didn't really even know what I wanted my motorcycle to look like or what I was interested in. So it, my Sportster really showed me what about motorcycles that I liked. Because before that, I was just like, okay, cool, bike. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> but now yeah. I'm like, okay, now I know what kind of exhaust I like or what kind of heads I want to put on my bike or, you know, what I want my timing cover to look like, all these things, what I want my handlebars to look like. And I, like, before that, I just, like, had no idea. I was just like, I don't like, I like yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. It's like, I think it takes a while, doesn't it, to ride one for a bit. And especially when you get a new bike, you've got to ride it for a while to think, actually, that part of it isn't mm -hmm. as comfortable or I prefer the style of this. And then eventually, like, you can just forever keep changing things though, can't you? So like, new things come out and you're like, or you see something on Instagram and I'm like, hey, that looks super cool. Like, I want to do that to my yeah. bike and it's never ending. <laughs> it really is never ending, which is why I started building a chopper because I'm just a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought a shovel head uh, that I can, because I want to take it across the country. I want to ride it from uh, California to Florida again. And... Uh, I just took it apart. It's in like a million pieces in my garage right now, just an open engine. And I was like, okay, it's a part. Now what? <laughs> now I'm just like finding parts on Instagram that I like and sourcing parts like forever sourcing parts for it. So who knows That's when it'll actually cool. get built and turned into the chopper that it's supposed to be. But as of right now, it's just a shovel head in a million pieces. I did the thing that everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool though because from that that point you really can build it up and completely make it your own can't you yeah I'm very 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 excited for my shovel head chopper project because it's definitely something I never thought that I'd be able to do or be even interested in doing and now that I've learned so much from my community and about myself and what I'm interested in I feel like I can really start this project and have at least some confidence going into it instead of just going in and being like, okay, what do now? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's nice if you've got a network or, you know, a few people around you that can help and guide and, you know, point oh, you in the right direction. Yes. Yeah, so I am so, so thankful for my community that I have here in Florida and the people that I can rely on when I'm not so sure of myself or not entirely sure of what I'm doing on my bike, I can just call them up and be like, um, is this supposed to be like this? Like FaceTime them and show them what, what's going on in the bike. And they're like, no, stop, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so cool. So do you yeah. really try and get like fully hands on? Like you yeah. just take it apart yourself and you're like, I'll just try and figure it out. Mm -hmm. So usually what I do is I'll just work on the bike completely by myself and I'll just have somebody standing over me uh, telling me yes or no. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, to be fair, that is the best way to learn. Like for me as well, like if I want to learn something on the bike or whatever, I'm much better being there 
having a go at starting to do it myself and like you say just having someone say like do it like this or no don't do it like that yeah exactly whatever well um it's really just helps you get the confidence uh and the muscle memory of turning a wrench because I can tell you how I turned a wrench when I first started working on motorcycles to how I turn a wrench now way faster. (laughs) I'm way faster at working on bikes than I was. And all, if I didn't have somebody who believed in me that I, I could do it and, you know, had the, instead of just being like in the patience of, you know, to help me work on my bike, I probably would not be as far ahead as I am now. I'm not saying I wouldn't be able to do it. I just would definitely not be as far as I ahead as I am because I have the community. I have to show me what I'm doing wrong and what I'm doing right and allow me to make mistakes and have the patience with me when I make mistakes to correct it and show me the correct way to do it. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I love that you've got that community around you and you're able to do it. That is super cool. I am endlessly thankful for every single person who comes and helps me work on my bike. <laughs> I couldn't do it without out any all of my friends. Oh, that's so nice. So what about trips then? You've got a trip, this trip planned, but have you done any other big trips on your bikes yet? Yeah, yeah. So I just rode a uh, Honda 1983 GLS 650. It's a silver wing. I drove it from Portland, Oregon to Tampa, Florida which was about uh, 4,500 miles. And oh, wow. yeah, I, I drove it across the entire country. And we did it all to support a charity called Forgotten Angels, which benefits young men who age out of foster care here in America. Um, at the age of 18, you are uh, kicked out of your home, your foster home that you were provided. And a lot of times the foster care system here in, in America is for profit. So you receive a paycheck for every kid that you take in. So they'll put eight kids in a house and the only thing that they have to provide them is a roof over the head. They do not have to provide them entertainment, food, or clothes. So sometimes we'll get kids who don't have shoes or don't know how to tie their own shoes because they were never taught. So what this charity does is really takes these boys and rehabilitates them into the community, gets them driver's license, teach them how to ride a motorcycle, get, makes them get a job that's not just a job at McDonald's or, you know, a uh, fast food place. It gets them a job that uh, that they're happy to go to every day and they feel inspired. They make them work, um, build their own tiny home, where which they pay for them to do so they can buy their own tiny home eventually. And oh, it wow. really teaches them a sense of ownership. So what we did was somebody donated these motorcycles to us in Oregon, and we drove them across the country as an endurance stunt, really, and raffled off the motorcycles with all of the profits going to support Forgotten Angels, this charity that benefits kids who age out of foster care. And uh, between the four raffles that we've done for them, we've raised about a million dollars to support these 18 young men. And this money does not hit any branches on the way down. It goes directly to these boys. The Forgotten Angels is not a huge charity where there's secretaries and all these people that need to be paid. Not a dime gets taken from this money. Everything goes to supporting these young men. So I'd say the biggest part and the most important part of 
the community that I have and what I'm going to use my platform for is to support people who need it. Because if you can help somebody, why not? Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. And when the opportunity arised to take these motorcycles and, uh, you know, he, he it was two, two silver wings that this person presented to us, to myself and Shade Tree Surgeon. And it the money that was able to be made from this cross-country trip truly changed the lives of these young men. Oh, wow. What an amazing story. And how incredible this charity, like, putting all this time into you know well an amazing cause mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's really dreadful I didn't realize there was you know problems like that going on I mean I know of course you have problems mm -hmm. everywhere but that sounds like pretty tough going for it's, those it's young a lads. huge thing there's uh there's more states that do not protect the the kids than states that do protect them and children homeless children is a huge huge problem here in the states and there is no support for these kids who age out of foster care when they turn 18 they stop receiving a check the parents the guardians of these children stop receiving a check for them at 18 so they're given a trash bag on their 18th birthday not like just cause it's the quickest way to get them out. They give them a trash bag, get your shit and get out. You, you don't make me any money anymore. So yeah. it's just like another kick in the teeth of like, hey, you're not wanted by your parents. And also you're not needed by your foster parents and that never took care of you anyways. Like I said, they're not required to provide anything except a roof over their head. So David and Cindy, which are essentially mom and dad to these kids, like I said, there's not any like secretaries or anything. It's David and Cindy who run this charity and they, the kids on this property, the 18 boys that live there currently go to them for everything. If it's, they need a ride to work or they need a ride to their friend's house or they like need anything at all, toiletries, just anything. And like, these kids are bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they've had a rough life. They don't come in and they're the nicest little little kids like trying to like get their life back together they're freaking bad kids you know they're yeah. in and out of jail and they're nasty kids so um props to dave and cindy for like having the patience and the heart to really rehabilitate these boys into the community and do something that's just so much bigger than themselves and yeah. it's just so nice to even have a, a small little part of that yeah, that's awesome. And I guess something like learning how to ride a motorcycle is such a benefit to have because it's cheaper to run than a car. You can get it so much easier. And like you say, you can then get to a job that you don't have to worry about buses and public transport and stuff like that. So that's an awesome thing to like help someone someone mm -hmm. with. It, um, and all of the motorcycles, they're all donated by just, you know, people that have heard about the cause and have felt something that, you know, that it, they see that this is so much bigger than themselves and they feel yeah. it and they, they want to help. And that's how we're able to source these motorcycles is just people who really, really care and want to help. And these motorcycles, if they're not raffled off to somebody, uh, profit they're just donated directly to the boys so the boys yeah. have 
something to to ride and get to work on. Like both the mm. silver wings, uh, we actually raffled them off. Uh, we we raised a ton of money for these silver wings, and both of the winners of the silver wings said, "No, we don't want them. Just give them to the boys." And now both oh. of the boys ride them and work on them themselves. And these silver wings that we drove across the country, I get to see every single time I go there. I get to see uh, Jason and Junior, which are the boys that it was donated to, riding it and working on it and painting it to make it their own. Like, so they truly love these silver wings and it's just so amazing to, to see. It really is. Yeah, that's super cool. And also giving them an insight into like the motorcycle world and like fixing them up and you know maybe that's then a career choice for them they could become yeah, mechanics absolutely. or you know, yeah we something. actually have a mechanic um on the property who lives there full time who helps them uh who shows them how to work on their own bikes yeah that's amazing so shay what would you say is like one of your most happiest or cherished moments you've had on two wheels oh wow i would probably say riding across the country on the silver wing really that was like the biggest thing i'd ever done on a bike i'd never thought endurance riding was something i could do and yeah. when somebody was like ride this ride this bike home i was like okay like I'm, I'm gonna do it you know they presented us with the opportunity and i took it i never thought i would do it especially not with like what i had i thought i'd like prepare a little better for it like I went to Oregon to see the bike and then he's like, okay, here's another bike ride at home. So I had three days worth of stuff in my, my bag. I had nothing. I had like, I had some stuff to travel, but I was not, we didn't have camping stuff. We didn't have camelbacks. We had nothing. <laughs> so we just sort of like, we're like, okay. And we drove across the country ill prepared and you know, you can watch those videos and see the consequences that happened because we were not prepared to drive across the country, but then you can also see my most cherished memories driving the, that bike across the country where I was riding through some of the most beautiful national parks and just having an experience with shade tree surgeon, my uncle, you know, somebody that I'm, it's my family, you know, and having that experience with him is just something that I just can never, I, I can never take, like, take that for granted. And I, always will encourage people to take long distance trips on your bike it doesn't cost nearly as much money as you think and it doesn't take nearly as much time as you think so just yeah. go take the trip and if those 100 miles if it's 500 miles if it's a thousand <laughs> miles, take the freaking trip and it is those trips that it's unexplainable isn't it when you're in those situations and like you're in the elements you're seeing the sights around you and like you become fully present in the moment and it is those it's those times isn't it that you can't really explain that to someone else it's like you've no. got to go and do it and yeah. see it for yourself to like understand truly truly and that's why it's like I, I almost start to stutter because I'm trying to find the words to explain how beautiful and how life-changing it was to do this cross-country trip. It took 10 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and it's like crazy to think that in 10 days, I like experienced the most beautiful things that I ever had in my whole life. Anyone yeah. can do that. Like yeah. anyone. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So what about the other end of the spectrum then? Obviously, we've spoken about some of your crashes, but what mm-hmm. was like the most dangerous or scariest moment you've had on a bike? Oh, gosh. Also going to be from the uh, cross-country silver wing trip. Really? Uh, <laughs> um, I experienced, because like I said, we were ill-prepared. There was definitely things that we were not ready for when we uh, went on this trip, such as we didn't plan a route oh, ever. Okay. Every day was a new, new, we're just like, okay, go this way. <laughs> I want to go here. Let's go there. Like, uh, so I ended up on a dirt road in New Mexico. And I say dirt road. This dirt road was be- had construction going on on it. So it was like gravel that was very deep so yeah consistently while riding i'm like just moving oh. and like my back tire sliding out underneath me yeah. and to the right of me is just like i don't know like a 30 foot free fall <laughs> like oh. it's, it's also uh midnight by the way oh my god and the closest town was probably 100 miles Oh my god, really? So I am just in a disaster situation here. Like deep gravel, middle of the night, no nobody around. Like each side of me is just a drop off. And I'm like, you can't pull over. You can't stop. You have to just continuously go because if you hesitate, you slow down, you could go down. And if I went down going 25, 30 miles an hour on my silver wing, could be potentially really bad. Yeah. And um, so that was when the wind started kicking in. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, please no. Um, I remember just uh, like having, like I wasn't sobbing, but I was definitely crying and screaming. Like for Shade Tree Surgeon, Josh, the, the person I was with, just like, not to stop just because he was the only person around that I could scream for. And I would just be like, Josh, like, no, like I'm going to fall. <laughs> and like, obviously he can't hear me. He's like all the way up there. We don't have uh cardas oh, or, or anything. Yeah. We didn't prepare for this trip. Like, and it, I thought I was going to fall. I was so confident that I was going to fall. I was not confident in myself at all. It was so, so scary just to, like you, you couldn't really see the drop off, but once I did, I was like, I have fear. <laughs> here. Oh. Um, so I'd probably say that is the scariest thing that's ever happened to me on a bike because I'm constantly yeah. almost being run off the road by drivers here in Florida. That's just like a regular Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> really what are drivers in florida like do they not really care about bikes well it's just um so in florida here we mostly have people who are um uh from other places so a lot of people here are tourists um or they're uh just moved here so they're not used to how people drive or they're old oh a lot of old people in florida so we just don't have the best drivers here it's like one of the worst drivers in the country. So, oh god, it's really—you've got to be really oh. aware of everything. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I guess not a bad thing. You've always got to be aware, haven't you? But yeah. not ideal if it's cars actually ramming you off the road. <laughs> yes, thankfully I've never been hit um, by anyone. I've definitely had um, more close calls than I could say. Sure. Uh, that's like I'm saying, like uh, being almost run off the road is a regular Tuesday here in Florida. You've got to like really give me something out of my comfort zone to scare me on a bike. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like it. You've been through a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what would you say is like your ultimate dream bike? Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, it depends. Gosh, that's like asking somebody what their favorite song is. Like it changes <laughs> every day. I don't know. It depends yeah, what sure. mood I'm in. Um, I'd say... What is my dream? Is it, is it weird that I've never thought about this? Well, what about, you know, in the Harley chopper realm? Like the chopper you're building? Yeah. Is my, it going to be like your dream bike? bike? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to make yeah. it into everything I've ever wanted into a bike. I'm definitely not going to try and cut any corners on that. I want to make it exactly how I want and weld everything to look exactly how I want. But um, when it comes to maybe like a stock motorcycle, um, I guess this. I know I'm going to get so much flack for this, like for saying this. <laughs> it's it's the Harley Davidson Livewire. Oh, really? Yeah, no, yeah. I think that's a cool looking bike. It's really, so it's not, it's not even that it's like super cool. It reminds me of like the Han, the Yamaha VMAX a little bit, just like the way it looks, but I like it because it's so fucking fast and just the feeling of pulling your throttle and being at a hundred miles an hour in like five seconds is insane, which obviously is possible on a combustion engine, but doing it with zero sound is insane. I rode that thing when I had, I tested it for about a week and I, I put so many miles on it. I was charging it every single night. And obviously it's not a bike that I would say I would buy for myself ever with a 30 grand price point yeah but man if i'm gonna talk about okay what bike could i have and not have to think about money and not have to think about having to charge it and it's just like okay what's your dream bike that you would just have yeah Livewire. probably a live wire yeah. oh cool well i haven't hmm. had the chance to ride it but you know i've seen it in the flesh and i've spoken to people that have written it ridden it and they've all said that same thing it's like so it's fun. just nuts it just nuts. flies it feels like um like a like a tie fighter in star wars that's what it sounds like and <laughs> it's like so quiet yeah, that is so cool. So I'm going to ask you three random questions now, sure. but it will all link into what we're going to do next. Okay. So what's your favorite food, dream destination, and favorite car, if you have a favorite car? Not everyone is into cars. but um, So getting with the favorite car, um, I don't. I don't have a favorite car because I drive a Kia Soul. <laughs> it's like, I know who like goes to a dealership and leaves with a Kia Soul. I know me, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, like a McLaren, <laughs> like something insane. Sure. Like yeah, sure. but, uh, my favorite food, uh, pasta. 
any noodles. Oh, yeah. noodles. <laughs> uh, sure. In any part of the world <laughs> uh, when it comes to pasta. It doesn't have to be, like, it can be Asian pasta or Italian pasta. <laughs> Um, sure. I also, also, my dream destination, I'd say, is probably Colombia. Oh, cool. Yeah, I really, yeah. really want to travel to Colombia. It seems like the best riding in the world. There's so much terrain changes, and it's it's just gorgeous there. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it is. I've, I have, have been to Colombia, but unfortunately not when I was in my riding days. So oh. I toured it on a bus and on foot. <laughs> it still sounds so amazing. Yeah, it's, it is a beautiful country. I mean, that would be some gnarly riding out there. That that it's, would be your new most dangerous moment. Uh, so, <laughs> actually has one of the most dangerous remote, uh, routes in the world that I really want to try. Really, yeah. yeah. And I bet. Um, my favorite YouTuber did it, C90 Adventures, but he, um, unfortunately, his entire episode, it rained on him, so he didn't get to see a really good terrain of Colombia, and he was just so bummed out. Oh, what a shame. But yeah, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Places like that, you can't you can't always tell with the weather. It has random yeah. floods and stuff, doesn't it? Yes, um, that's, that was constantly happening to him. <laughs> so we're going to have a game of Would You Rather. Sure. Okay, so we're going to put the live wire at stake with all of this. Okay. So would you rather have a live wire, like just be given one, or but then never eat pasta ever again, any pasta. kind? No, sorry, pasta. I want pasta. <laughs> <laughs> pasta over the live wire. Okay. <laughs> that was an easy choice. So... Love what about Colombia then? You can ride oh, no, Colombia. I want Colombia <laughs> so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like I've thought about Colombia so much and like so much more than I've thought about a live wire. Like that is my dream destination is to ride motorcycles in Colombia. I really want to do the transcontinental trail from Alaska to Argentina. Is like one of the goal motorcycle trips for me but obviously it's really really long so it would take a long time and a lot more experience that I have like with motorcycle camping which I don't do yeah <laughs> um, sure so definitely would want to go to Columbia sorry live wire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the car then uh your McLaren McLaren or live wire McLaren worth so really much. Yes. Oh, it's like a freaking hundred like over a hundred thousand dollar car well yeah of course of course oh my gosh oh, sorry. Okay. i know it's hard it's hard because i've never really thought about like what is that bike that's just like oh, so much better than everything else and i'm like i don't know it's i never really thought about what bike i would want until like three years ago when i started seeing as more bikes as an option like uh, three years ago, I was still riding the Suzuki Savage, the 650. So I was like, oh, I can't ride anything else but this. So it's only within the last three years that I've started even looking at other motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's fair enough. And the thing is, there are like, I am kind of similar to you. Like, I do have some ultimate, you know, motorbikes that I love. But there's always another one that I do love actually just as much. So I know what you mean yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Um, so, right, I found a picture on your Instagram, and I'm gonna, I'll pull it up, and then I'd like you to explain it if that's okay. All right. All right. 
Oh, one God. second. <laughs> I do weird shit sometimes. <laughs> no, there were some really good ones to choose from. Um, let's go with... Well, I actually, I pulled up some from your crash. This one in particular caught my attention of you in hospital. Yes, that was right after my crash. Yes. I nuts. <laughs> and I was flicking through those ones with your black eye as well. Uh, yeah. Let me just pull that up. Oh, yeah, I look so messed up. Your black eye in this picture is insane. Yeah, it was really insane. And I got so, the weirdest comment that I got so many times was, you look so hot with a black eye. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why the f- why are you right though? <laughs> I guess there's something like it's kind of a badass look, isn't it? It's like Yeah, I like, I felt like I looked out. like like it wasn't real. Like the way that it it formed around my eye, it looked like makeup. Like it didn't look real, but trust me, it's real. It's real. It lasted <laughs> like over a month and I was I didn't even leave my house really because when I would go out, I would get constantly get questioned by anyone who saw me and be like, are you okay, honey? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like go out to dinner with my boyfriend and people would approach us and be like, blank if you're in trouble. Like, He's right here. <laughs> like, oh my God. Wait till he goes to the bathroom or something to ask me like Jesus. <laughs> was people thinking that I was abused. No, I'm just thinking, guys. (laughs) I guess that's super nice of people. You've got a nice community around you, that's for sure. (laughs) So what about this picture then? Well, there was obviously a few to go along with this one. Aww. Aww. Explain that picture to everyone and what's going on. So I noticed the caption was, um, that was actually a repost of when I was first getting my motorcycle back off the lift. So that picture was taken after I took the whole front end off. And that was like the first big thing that happened to my Sportster. And then I reposted that picture when our our garage got closed down. We had Brapstar Garage for about two years uh, where we would film all of our content, uh, ship out orders, and where we host had Brapstar and host our podcasts and all that stuff. And we actually got evicted and we were told that we had to get everything out in one day or else they they were going to take everything that was in there to the dump. He was like actively on the phone with us. And he's like, if you don't send me $3,000 right now, I'm changing the locks and you lose everything. And we're like, bro, my friend's snap-on toolbox was in there and he's got like $15,000 of tools, let alone the $10,000 toolbox. So I'm like, bruh. And we're like, all of our motorcycles are in there. Like we're freaking out. I'm also in Colorado when this happens. So I'm not even in Florida to, to deal with the landlord. So Shade Tree Surgeon is able to completely get everything out of Brapstar Garage in one day. Sounds like the guy has $3,000, so he'll let us in. And um, we we freaking, we, we got everything out. 
very stressful, very sad, end of an era truly of Brabstar Garage. But then we thankfully got everything out by like six o'clock. So the bank was still open. So we just hit stop payment on that check. Oh, that was lucky. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Uh, that's horrible. That's like yeah. so harsh. He, he evicted us for dumb reasons. So it, he, it was just, he told us that we had until the end of July. And then on July 1st, he's like, why aren't you out? And we're like, well, because we have the end until the end of July. He's like, I never said that. It wasn't me. <laughs> I was like, Are you? He's like, you got to pay me $3,000 right now or you got to get out. And we were just like being evicted because we had other people on like in Brapstar that we weren't supposed to have there for like, it was like insurance stuff, you know, because we would like have a lot of people over at Brapstar and we were like filming stuff for girls websites and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. Oh, so well, things get a little bit knit and gritty sometimes. So, so where are you now? Have you got your own garage? Um, yeah, it's uh, it came with my house. <laughs> so I just rent right now, and there's uh, a garage in my in my rental house. So we just kind of like put everything into a storage unit, and we're using our our house garage as much as we can. It's very packed, but um, Rapstar Garage will live again one day. Just not today. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, it's something to look forward to, isn't it? Something to work yes. up to and everything. Yeah. So, Shay, just to wrap things up, I'm going to ask you one more question. Sure. If you could go back in time to when you first started riding, what advice would you give yourself? I'd say two things, I think. Um, sure. First of all, stop being so nervous. And stop being such a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, so I I, I do regret a lot of the missed connections that I had when I first started writing because I was so defensive of being a girl on the bike because I was, it was 10 years ago, girls, definitely the big female motorcycle boom hadn't happened yet. And I didn't think that I was special because I was on a bike. Like, I was just like, listen, man, I'm just trying to ride. Like, why didn't I get this kind of attention when I took my driver's ed course? (laughs) (laughs) so um I just I found that it it made me really I was just when I was 18 I was just really bitter I think I was just angry at the world which is how a lot of 18 year olds are you know I'm not not anything special from that but I think I a lot of that translated towards hate specifically towards men who are trying to pay me a compliment for being a woman like being a woman, even though they weren't trying to be offensive at all, they were genuinely trying to pay me a compliment that they were happy to see somebody on a motorcycle of the different gender. And I took that as the rudest thing ever. So if I had to give myself advice, it'd be like, stop being such a bitch to people who are just trying to be nice to you. And I would have made so many more friends. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I would have made a lot of friends instead of just being so, so angry at the world, you know? And I think that had to, a lot to do with where I was at the time mentally. And I, I just really wish I could go back and be like, hey, chill, chill out, dude. It's all, it's okay. It's all yeah. right. Just be it's friends with people. All right. You know, don't yeah. be so, so in, in your, in your element and scared to get out of your comfort zone because i i think that that would be the advice is get out of your freaking comfort zone yeah (laughs) yeah i fully agree i like that one that's really good 
Oh, Shay, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I was so happy to be here. My first time on someone else's show. So it feels really good to just just be here. I'm really happy. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, I'm really pleased that you came on and love all the stories. You're a total inspiration. You're smashing it and keep on smashing it. That means so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you very much for listening or watching this episode of Biker Chick Chat. Please don't forget to give it a thumbs up, like, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. You know what to do. And if you'd like to see more from myself and Shalisi, I'll add in the description below all our details. And also I'll add in the details of the really great charity that she's been working very hard with also. It's a great cause. Thank you again and I'll look forward to seeing you on the next one.